2: Hey Chargers fans, this is the Guilty as Charged podcast where we discuss all things related to the Los Angeles Chargers. We are available on all podcast platforms including Apple, Spotify, and Google. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or review. We do really appreciate the positive feedback. Make sure and follow us on social media including our Patreon account where as little as $1 gains you access to cool things like jersey giveaways and film breakdowns. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Hey, Chargers fans! Welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven. Uh, Alex is not able to join us today, so it's just me and Tyler. That being said, Tyler, how you doing? I'm doing today? all
1: right. Just had a nice uh, dinner with my family. I'm skipping Sunday night, Sunday night football because I don't want to watch any more games. Uh, I'm doing well overall.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's been a it's been a long day of football, which is obviously good, you know, especially considering we didn't have any sports for a long time. But uh, it can definitely be a little a little overkill sometimes. So. Obviously had a had a big day around the league. You know there was a lot of big storylines that, I, and we'll obviously get to the Chargers game. Um, but you watched the entire Raiders game, and that's kind of been uh, a very talkative point this week because everybody watched Monday Night Football and, and was wondering if the Raiders were legit. Uh, what did you make of the Raiders today, and I guess the Patriots?
1: Yeah, it's tough to say. It was definitely a tale of two different halves for the Raiders. The first half they looked. Like, they kind of were a decent team. I can tell that there's a lot of talent on this Raiders team, but they also just have a lot of injuries. Um, but today, much like the Chargers game, they ended up shooting themselves in the foot. I think two fumbles, gave away the ball, you know, a couple a missed kick, and they just, they just couldn't close things out against New England, and New England made them pay. Uh, so the Raiders are definitely beatable. You saw in the beginning of the Monday Night Football game how this, they just could not stop the Saints. Kamara, whoever, would get open catch a pass, and no one would tackle them. And there's the same thing for the Raiders. They couldn't uh, cover a swing pass to save their lives. Rex Burkhead, every time he came into the red zone, he would he would just blow up the Raiders. So unfortunately, well, I guess fortunately for the Chargers, but the Raiders can't cover very well. Um, they're getting hurt too. I know if you think it's just the Chargers, like the Raiders are very hurt too. At that one point, they were just playing with Hunter Renfro as their starting receiver, which is less than ideal. Um, so not not super impressed with the Raiders today. But they definitely beat themselves a lot. As for the Patriots, uh, they Cam Newton did not look good, and I didn't get a chance to watch any of his first two games. I know he had a much better game against the Seahawks, apparently, but he looked terrible against the Raiders today. He looked bad, really bad. Um, multiple throws into triple coverage, bad interceptions. Um, his only touchdown of the day was a was a dump off sc- or a screen pass or something. So, uh, not a good day for him. Certainly looks very, you know, he doesn't. It just doesn't look good. Like, I don't remember watching too much of Newton. It's been a while since I watched a fully healthy Cam Newton. But his throwing motion looked kind of awkward. He looked slow. It was just a very, its kind of what we feared. For those of us that didn't really want Cam Newton, it's kind of what we didn't want to see. Guy who can't make some of the layup throws. He's athletic. Um, but even that was kind of going. So I just wasn't impressed with him overall. But, I mean, the Patriots are the Patriots and they found a way to make them pay and, and they won pretty handily.
2: The Patriots are definitely the kings of like finding different ways to win because mm-hmm. I mean, Darren Waller, I I don't I think he had like one catch, and Maybe. Josh Jacobs was not his usual explosive self. So the Patriots and you know they're just so creative in finding different ways to win, and it doesn't really matter if your right. if your quarterback can't complete passes or not. Mm-hmm. So you know I think the Patriots are should be considered a, a contender, you know, almost regardless of what is happening at quarterback. Um, My main around the league takeaway, honestly, is the Falcons are, you know, everybody's (laughs) complaining about the the way that the Chargers lost today. But, you know, I'd rather be the Chargers today than the Falcons, man. And the Falcons just continue to find new ways to blow giant leads because it's not like they were (laughs) barely winning this game and barely beating the Cowboys. Like they have been up big in every game and they've lost every game. So, um, you know. Definitely some things to talk about there, and obviously Nick Foles going in for Trubisky, man. Oh boy, I don't, I don't know what it is about guys like Nick Foles and Ryan Fitzpatrick, but it's like if you expect them to be good, they'll be awful. <laughs> but if you expect yeah. them to be a backup quarterback yeah. and not do too much, then they'll come in and in spurts and be amazing, right? No. So just, just funny to watch Absolutely. that. Um, any other takeaways from things that happened around the league today?
1: Um, I didn't really pay attention to most of the other games. The only thing I can say is I feel bad for Vikings fans who finally looked like they were starting to put things together and then they lost to the Titans. So, oh, well, (laughs) um, I actually totally missed it. How did the Steelers game end?
2: So the Steelers ended up winning. They, uh, they had a touchdown drive at the end to win it. I thought Deshaun Watson played really well, Though the defense played pretty good for the most part and the offensive line. Uh, looked competent for most of the game. You know, Bud Dupree was, was pretty quiet after having uh, 14 pressures in the first two games, but, you know, the Texans are another team that just, you know, they they find a new way to lose every single week.
1: Yeah, I was, cu- I was curious about the Steelers just because, you know, everyone's talking about, unfortunately, the Chargers didn't really hold up their end, but, you know, two of the best defenses, maybe the Chargers, maybe the Steelers. But the Steelers got to play the Giants, and then they got to play the Broncos, who are without half their team. They had Jeff Driscoll as quarterback. That's yeah. so kind of like, eh, you know, the Chargers, yeah, they had Burrow, but they also faced Mahomes. So who's really the better defense here? But I, was, I was just kind of curious how that game went. But, uh, well, good for them for winning.
2: Yeah, that's that's going to be an interesting thing to, to keep an eye on. Um, so we'll get into the Chargers game now. I uh, It's been a frustrating day on Twitter again. I, I'm just... The Chargers obviously lost twenty-one to sixteen, and people are calling for heads to roll right now and, and coaches to be fired. and And I just, I, I, d- I guess, I don't understand what we were all expecting from this Chargers team this season. And obviously, I'm frustrated by the loss today specifically because it was against—I don't want to say an in, in, inferior team, but they're probably about the same level uh, of you know in terms of where they stand in the mm-hmm. league. And They probably should have won today, but uh, yeah, I'm. I'm struggling to find a reason why Anthony Lynch should lose his job right now, and um, I guess we can start with this coaching thing. What did you make of? Everybody's criticizing the game plan and, and the play calling. What did you make of of the whole thing today?
1: I thought that I think we have to keep in mind. Okay, so I'll, I'll start with Steichen, I guess, and I understand why some of the play calls can be frustrating, but we again we have to understand this guy is restarting all over again with another quarterback who is not like, he, it's not even like Herbert had two weeks, you know, to prepare, you know, one week for the Chiefs game and one week for this game. He literally, from like the Sunday he found out he was starting, till this Sunday, he barely had seven days to put an offense together. And, you right. know, watching tape on the Panthers, it's very clear, based on the two games they played against the Raiders and the the Bucks that you can get explosive plays on this team against the Panthers. And so I don't blame them for... What, In my opinion, they focused on those explosive plays today or this week during camp. Obviously, they focused on bringing Herbert's ball down, you know, throwing to the outside and whatnot. But I really think like if, they're, if we're going to do anything, if we're going to do one thing for Herbert, add one more layer, we're going to find a way to push the ball. And I think they they really tried to do that. And they really gave Herbert the opportunity to do that. So I think given the circumstances, that was fine. It did I mean, but the, it's, it's frustrating that they weren't as, you know, they weren't. Was just, wasn't a sense of urgency on offense at some points. Or it looked like, you know, Herbert couldn't run a two-minute drill. Sure. But how how many times has he even run that to begin with? So is that, you know, it's so tough. This whole freaking preseason thing is weird. Um, one thing I got to say that I noticed kind of early on is against the Bengals, you have Mike Williams. Tyrod Taylor throws that ball down the left sideline, I believe, to Mike Williams. He just doesn't make it because they throw from the left hash. There's no room. Mike Williams catches it, but they don't get it. And so the Chargers, I think, said, okay, Let's do that. Let's get Williams the ball. Plus, we can beat the Panthers deep. But let's motion him in a little bit. I forget where he was. I think he was on the outside, but they brought him in. And they figured, okay, let's do that. Play action. Boom. Threw it to or tried to throw it to Williams. Unfortunately, that was the fumble. Um, So they go, shoot. Okay, that didn't work. So they said, okay, let's take another spin on that then. Let's run that exact same play almost, even though it cost us a fumble. Let's get the ball to Eckler instead. And they did that and it hit a huge gain. So I don't think you can sit here and just be like, oh, the play calling sucks, the coaches don't learn, they don't do anything. Like, I think, you know, they was clearly like, <laughs> they clearly had some sort of plan for Herbert, which was let's let's, let's work on pushing the ball downfield versus this weak defense. And then clearly they learned from their own mistake in Cincinnati and then their own mistake mid-game to kind of rearrange that play a little bit and get a huge gain for Eckler. You know, working with their best players, getting their linemen, you know, on the left side out to block. It worked well. So, you know, I think it was actually a pretty Decent game for for Syke and, and for Lynn at least calling plays on the offense.
2: I agree with you. I, you know, outside of the end around, yeah. which that was just like a timing issue, and, the, and the, you know Derek Brown kind of blew that play up from the start. Still, I didn't love the play call, and then that screen pass to Austin Eckler in the red zone when it was third and you know basically yeah. twenty. I didn't love those two play calls, but I thought Shane Steichen had a, had a good game plan today. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of execution. And to me, that's why I get a little annoyed by the whole like, well, they, they should take more accountability. And yes, the coaches are not blameless. And I've never said that. And I'm never going to say that. But it's the player's job to execute what the coaches tell mm-hmm. them to do. And it's not the coach's fault that, you know, Brian Balaga gets hurt. And then he comes back in. Then he gets hurt again. And Trey Pipkins comes in. And yes, I thought Trey Pipkins was not very good today. He was great against Frank Clark last week in in the Kansas City game, but this week, you know, he struggled, and that's just the reality of having a young player who's played four games and has really only started twice. So it's is it the coach's fault that, you know, Trey Pipkins comes in as a backup and you know has a bad matchup and Brian Burns causes a fumble? To me, that's more about Trey Pipkins and you know, maybe roster construction and Brian Bulaga not being able to figure out how to finish yeah. a game healthy. So, and that's a whole another thing that we can talk about. But the coaches are not blameless. I'm never going to of say course. that they are 100% free of blame. But, you know, it's not their fault that someone is not blocking the right way or that KJ Hill, who arguably had the best hands of his draft class, dropped three passes or that Justin Herbert for one play you know, either was forcing it or misread the defense and threw an interception. So I, I just would encourage people, you know, if you have the time to really watch the film, you know, I, I've spent a lot of hours watching these past two games in this game. And I think Shane Steichen has improved a lot from week one to now. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, you know, he's had to endure a quarterback change and he didn't have an off season to install his his system. I hate to kind of make an excuse for him, but from what I've seen, I feel like Shane Steigen has improved from week one to now.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. At the I mean, go watch, you know, that Tyrod Taylor game. Very different. I mean, the fact that they couldn't even install, I, I assume this is why, the fact that they couldn't install a wide receiver screen or that play to read, maybe they, they kind of hinted at it. But, you know, they, they've made strides, I think, over the last couple of weeks. You just got to take all that into consideration that, you know, their, their preseason, this quarterback change, all those things. But, yeah, I don't understand. Like, yeah, you do look at the coaches. And, yeah, where there so many mistakes that you maybe should look at the coaches? Sure. But, like, you know, I think Steven and I, you know, you and I are kind of on the same page. He ain't, you know, Lynn's not turning the ball over. You know, Bradley's not saying, oh, please jump off sides for the fourth time in this game. You know, no one's. Right. And I guess you can say that's coaching. But I promise you there's no way that Bradley and I think their defensive lineman coach Giff Smith, Anyway. I don't think he's, they're looking, I I promise that they at one point have said, please don't jump off sides for the 50th time. (laughs) There's no way that they didn't say that. So the one thing I got to say also about the offense is you got to be a little bit, we have to, we have to be patient and you're, you're definitely right when you say, you know, what did you guys expect? Is it frustrating because you can see the potential that's there? Yes. Like there's definitely a lot of potential. There's a lot of good skill position players. There's definitely potential, but you got to wait. And a sort of side note, when I coach gymnastics, we have kids that we prepare for the season that starts in December, but we tell them for months that we are building and building and building to try to get their bonuses on certain events for competitions that take place in like March and April. Like we, we, we understand we're trying to get them to that first competition, for more practice stuff. We're really trying to install these bonuses, these harder skills the rest of the way and we expect them to eventually get that when they compete at state and regionals but we don't expect them to have that immediately unless you have just some amazingly talented kid so you know think of that kind of the same way for you know if you've ever coached something or if you've ever been coached like these things take a lot like it'll, it'll take a long time clearly it's going to take some time so uh we got to be patient uh I don't, we can go anywhere in this conversation at this point as far as lynn being fired <laughs> <laughs> no like, do you, I, do you want either, like, whoever it is, George Stewart or Gus Bradley as your head coach, like, what is that going to change? Who, who is that going to help? Uh, no one wants to see that. Like, it's not going to be Steichen. It's not going to be Milas. It's not going to be Pep Hamilton. It's going to be one of those two guys. So like, what like, what do you want to do? I, I understand at the end of the season, you want to fire Lynn. I, I, I get that, you know, things kind of go another five and 11, you know, season fine. Fire Lynn, I get it. There's some good options out there. But like what what is firing him midseason gonna do? And he's not racist.
2: Yes, definitely
1: not racist. Jesus. (laughs) Such a bad take. Um
2: I think that's a good point. You know, the analogy of gymnastics is is a good one because everything is is about the long game, right? Right. And that's what the Chargers season this year has been about. You know, this is a transition year. I, I know all of us would love to see the Chargers you know, get back to the playoffs and, and compete for a Super Bowl. But that just was never on the table this year, especially after Derwin James went down. Like, mm-hmm. that's just the reality of the situation. Um, To his credit, you know, I did like what Anthony Lynn said today after the game. And, you know, all this crap about his press conferences, everybody freaking out. I just, you know, take a take a chill pill. <laughs> um, But today he said that was disappointing in the first half. I thought they fought hard. That last drive, a young quarterback on the one-yard line, no timeouts, and gave us a chance to win the football game. I am just trying to take some positives away from this. That was impressive. Other than that, I got to do a better job. Coaches have to do a better job of putting this team in a better position to win and eliminate the stupid and the turnovers. <laughs> so, you know, he's taking ownership. And I think, you know, that's fine. And, you know, I've, I've always respected that Lynn calls it how he sees it. And that's true. Like, they do have to do a better job of doing, of you know, protecting the football. And, you know, it's just – Today was uh, was just a bad football day in terms of protecting the protecting the ball and that's just unfortunate but uh I will say you know Justin Herbert he has far exceeded any expectations I had of him coming in and thankfully he was able to go back in the game Ugh. thankfully we did not have to Ugh. see Easton Stick take a snap from quarterback on third down oh man that could have been really bad um but what did you make of Justin Herbert's game today
1: Um, I thought even though maybe even there's the same kind of interception mistake and you could say there's, you know, some other rookie mistakes that kind of mirrored last week. I think this game was way better for Herbert. Like what I think people were getting hyped about for Herbert last week. I think this was the game that they were like, that they kind of saw, but now I'm seeing like, okay, he's, he's got something because far more positive than negative, you know, a lot of coachable moments. For example, he ran instead of throwing the pick and, you know, like, yeah. Oh, thank goodness. Like ob- obviously the coaches are doing something. I mean, I don't think he'd make that mistake again anyway, no matter who his coach was, but you know, I'm glad he made that product. Now that little bit of progress, um, I, he made a number I'll have to. I can't wait to watch the film because he made, you know, against the chiefs, maybe like five to six like, good plays, really good plays. I think he made more than that this game, some incredible throws, you know, some good decisions. Um, some balls that are impossible to get there unless you have Justin Herbert's arm. You know, one of my criticisms of Taylor is I don't even think he trusts his arm over the middle. Whereas Herbert almost maybe even too much, but there were some plays where there's like, there's no way that's not a pass, you know, pass defended or maybe an interception. And there were some plays where that happened for Herbert, but I feel like that's more reading the defense, but yeah, there's just some throws like, Oh my gosh, how do you even make that throw unless you have a cannon of an arm? And, And boy, was it impressive. So um, it was a step forward for Herbert. They, I'm I'm really happy, and I mentioned this on Twitter. I'm very very happy because a lot of people were worried that the Chargers would take the ball out of Herbert's hands and have them run the ball a lot more, which is understandable. Like the, the you know the Panthers can be beaten by the run. That's fine, and the running game was working for the Chargers for two weeks. But I'm happy that even with the interception and even after getting hurt, that they decided you know we he's like we'll let this yeah. guy learn. And and what a what a what better place to learn than on the field like he threw about like 47 times today. Like that's that's 47 reps he's not going to get in practice, you know, which is so it's great. The fact that they didn't just hand the ball off maybe even to their detriment, but I I'm, I'm glad that they allowed him to just continue to make these throws and I mean, he almost led a game-winning drive. And yeah, I'm you know, that's which is so is so disappointing. That last play is so irritating because like have you watched the replay yes, of that it's, yet? it's heartbreaking, oh. and it's so strange that they, that, you know, Eckler said they had practiced that with Allen for like two years, but then Eckler looked so surprised, like he didn't know the ball was coming to him. So, but man, like, there's no way that's not a touchdown if Eckler catches that, which is so unfortunate. He could
2: have, he could have walked into the end zone, yep. man. Like, I saw it coming. I saw Eckler heading that way, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be a touchdown. I was so excited, I was jumping up and down. And then I don't know if it was a bad pitch or or, or what, but ah, oh, so close, man. I, and honestly, like Justin Herbert to me, you know, he just he improved a lot from week two to week three, and you know that makes sense because he had more practice time. But mm-hmm. taking you know a team basically ninety nine yards to potentially win a Ooh. game, man, like that's that's impressive. And his touchdown throw to Keen Allen, oh my god, woo man, there's like three quarterbacks in the league that can make that mm-hmm. throw. And, you know, I I love the way that he has developed this relationship with Keenan Allen. Keenan had 13 catches for 132 (laughs) yards and one touchdown today. (laughs) Wow. So just, you know, he trusts Keenan, and Keenan trusts him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think this is going to be, you know, there was some kind of skepticism, especially from, you know, yours truly, that, you know, maybe Keenan Allen would kind of take a step back this year if Justin Herbert had to go in. But that is clearly not the case.
1: Yeah, I didn't expect... I always, especially because you have Rivers offense, you kind of expect that drop back one, two, three throw kind of offense. So I figured, you know, maybe Allen, who's, you know, the route runner, but maybe not the best athlete, maybe he would suffer from it. The timing maybe wouldn't be there, but I'm shocked to see how well that Herbert and Allen have a relationship pushing this ball downfield, you know, a role that I thought maybe Mike Williams would more so have, but instead... You know, it's Herbert and Allen who are pushing this ball downfield. That's it was so impressive to see this connection so early. I mean, is look, is it very difficult to throw the ball to Keenan Allen? Not really. Like you you probably could do worse. (laughs) But you know, still the relationship he has with with um, Allen and with Henry, and it looked like they were trying to start that relationship with Williams, you know, it's it's pretty encouraging.
2: It is pretty encouraging. And unfortunately, Mike Williams did uh, go down with a hamstring injury, which we probably should have talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he didn't – I don't think he played the fourth quarter. Um, I'm pretty sure he played most of the third quarter. So we'll hope for some, some clarity on that. Um, Chris Harris, his ankle injury, it was encouraging to see him get up and walk off the field, but that obviously was a big loss. Um, I felt like as soon as Chris Harris went out, D.J. Moore had a couple big plays. Um, the defense – you know, I thought for the most part they they did a really good job, and that's what they have continued to do. You know, it reminded me kind of of the uh, Tennessee game last year when they, it was just like constant short fields and constant short mm-hmm. fields, and mm-hmm. and you know holding them to field goals. You know, I would have loved to see a little bit more, maybe cause a turnover, but I thought the defense did mostly okay. Um, I the one thing I will say though is that this defense sorely sorely missed Melvin Ingram, and and you know. Joey Bosa was getting double teamed on every single play today.
1: Yeah, it's unfortunate. You know, you wanted mostly to step up. It looked like a couple plays in the you know very early on that he was stepping up. But yeah, they miss Ingram, and for a number of reasons, I even I would even attribute them coming out kind of flat to not having Ingram out there. Ingram is the guy. Like he's a good player. He's the captain of the team, a leader on defense. The team just kind of came out flat. It was so strange. And I don't know how much Trent Scott played, but I really would have hoped that most who could beat Trent Scott on more plays but i don't really think
2: uh, it seemed like they were rotating Trent Scott oh, a okay.
1: little basically like every other drive that yeah, was yeah I was setting them up for failure but yeah it's a bummer uh it's tough because now now the chargers are going to play too much better or maybe not better but certainly more cerebral quarterbacks i would think in brady and breeze and these these pressures and sacks aren't going to come because, you know, he's they're scrambling in the backfield so trying to hold on you know, or they're making some dumb decision. And this ball's coming out. So, you know, And I think the the, 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 the what, are they, what are they called? The Panthers. Jesus. I think the Panthers gave, you know, these other two teams a, a perfect blueprint. And it makes sense. You know, you have an excellent pass rush in front of you. Get it out quick and make smart decisions. So it's going to be it's a bummer that they're missing Ingram for, for going from full practice to knee soreness to IR for three weeks minimum is is so bizarre. So, bizarre. so we'll see. But I, mean, I guess we can talk about the other injuries that happened today if you'd like. I mean, we talked about Harris. Um, some guys were in and out. I think Adelie was out for a little bit, came back in. I, I heard at some point they were tending to like Hunter Henry and Kaiser White. So, there was there was a, a mix of injuries. I'm shocked I didn't see Jalila Die on the field today because I thought at some point, you know, everyone that everyone were, you know, King would have gone to replace that person. Somehow, King filled that hole, and then the other person came back. In. I'm shocked that a diet wasn't out there at one point, because it, uh, it was a it was real rough. The, the bizarre one, though, that we talked about, is Brian Bulaga. I have, I mean, I'm obviously Trey Turner, Trey Turner too, but I, I still kind of feel like they held him out of precaution. But yeah, Bulaga being the second game in a row in for a little bit, and then out almost immediately, is so bizarre. Like, I I appreciate him trying to get out there. It's really great you're trying to suck it up. Um, but I guess it's a back injury now instead of a knee. In- like it was a knee injury, and I heard it was a back. So
2: yeah, that's what Daniel Popper said. Yeah. So uh, it, it is really annoying, especially you know for me. Everybody was like, "Oh, Anthony Lynn was messing about the injuries." Every football coach does that, okay? Right, yeah. Every football coach says that someone's gonna play, and then the next day they don't. That's just you know the way that it is, and it's unfortunate because. You know, I thought Trey Turner was really bad on Sunday against the Chiefs, and I was looking forward to kind of seeing what he could do. Um, you know, in, in in an attempt to get more of like a redemption game. And Brian Balaga, I mean, he he was pretty bad when he was in the yeah. game, and I, you know, like you said, I respect him trying to play through it. And maybe Brian Burns is just like this super fast defensive end. I don't know, but he has he's never really been like a super productive pass rusher. Maybe it's just a bad matchup for Bulaga and, and Trey Pipkins, unfortunately. But, um, you know, and getting back to the defense, kind of, I thought Nasir Adderley played really well. Um, he got kicked in the face, which is why he ended up <laughs> leaving. But um, he had nine tackles. Kaiser White had 11. I thought Kaiser played really well. Mm-hmm. Rayshon Jenkins had nine tackles. Michael Davis, I mean, he stuck his nose in there a couple times to make some Absolutely. tackles in the run game. So. Uh, I was surprised by that. You know, he had a couple of mishaps in coverage, which we're used to. But I mean, at least he's improving, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I I was shocked to see him. I mean, first of one day, he's turning his head around to you know to block a pass. That's great. But big criticism of Davis is always he just wouldn't really stick his nose in, in there and try to tackle the guy. But there were some times he was laying some hits, which was pretty impressive. Um, Kaiser White, though, it seems like a pretty good natural fit for him there. So what are you doing with Drew Tranquil when he comes back? Yeah.
2: That's interesting, man, because honestly, it's unfortunate that this had to happen to see what Kaiser could do because, you know, Kaiser was all, always in that Sam role, which doesn't really play a whole lot. But, man, he's he's explosive. And, you know, he said uh, in his press conference on Tuesday that he was kind of struggling through the recovery process last year of his uh, his knee injury. So maybe that kind of contributed. But he looks really good out there. And I think him and Kenneth Murray side by side. That's it's a very athletic tandem to to look at, and you know it brings a lot of excitement to to years past when it was you know Thomas Davis and Denzel Perryman, and and uh, uh, when Nick Dezubnar had to start a game mm-hmm. in two thousand eighteen.
1: Oh yeah, we've seen a whole handful of guys over the Telesco era that are no longer in the lead, actually, except for Dezubnar, who's stonewalling Gordon at the one yard line, which is yeah. great. So weird. Um, what was my question. <laughs> oh, uh, I totally had to tune out for this play. Who did Kenneth Murray m- murder on this one? One play, like, did he just absolutely violently hit someone, or?
2: Oh, I, th- I think it was uh, Mike Davis. I, I, can't, I, I know which play you're talking about. Um, my streaming kind of buffed out, but we saw the replay. Um, but you know, Kenneth Murray is, he's, he's a beast back there. And once he figures out everything, you can kind of tell in pass coverage that, you know, like the passing off of routes over the middle is, is you know, he's not used mm-hmm. to it. But then again, last week when he did do it, he was, you know, step for step with Tyree Kill yeah. and and had a pass breakup. So, you know, Kenneth Murray is going to be a special player someday.
1: Yeah, he is. That's ah, it's a bummer. I bummed I missed that play. Now Murray's looking great, as far as I can tell. Kaiser White looked amazing. Good for Jenkins for having a good game, especially because he was injured. i was not even sure he was supposed to play. Um, what else happened this game? <laughs> a lot of things happened this game, Stephen. There's so many things to talk about.
2: So many things happen. Yeah. You know, in terms of the defense, I will say the one criticism, I don't know if it's necessarily criticism, but they clearly had a game plan of how to slow this pass rush down. Mm-hmm. You know, Joey Buzzo was getting double team. Jerry Tillery was getting double team. Tillery had one tackle and that was it. Um, so the defensive line today, outside of Joey's one sack, it, w- it was not pretty for this defensive line. And that's, you know, I hesitate to criticize what the defense is doing all the time because Gus Bradley's defense like keeps them in games, right? Like they do the job. Mm-hmm. But I I wish that he would kind of adjust on the fly more often and send more blitzes. And, and then they did bring a couple blitzes. Chris Harris got uh I think the play that Chris Harris got hurt on was a blitz. Um, but you know, when the defensive line isn't getting pressure with four, I feel like he needs to do a better job of realizing that and and sending more pressures from the linebackers and safeties and corners and such.
1: Yeah, I definitely expected a little bit more. I saw them try to blitz Kenneth Murray once. That's fine. I expected them to try to intact the interior at the very least. I I think it was Lynn after the game said, well, we tried to prevent Teddy Bridgewater from rushing with the football. So we played more of like a contain kind of defense with our defensive line rather than get at the quarterback to get a sack which i mean that's fun i mean i get you don't want him to run all over you because sure but like i'd rather you do that and get a ton of pressures and sacks or, or try to dial up a blitz than watch him dink and dunk to mike davis the whole you know, the whole game so yeah i don't know but yeah they definitely missed ingram yeah. and tillary so ray
2: so Rayshon had that one sack. Um, yeah, it seemed like he was almost spying Teddy Bridgewater. Oh yeah, on that one play when they show the replay. So maybe they learned their lesson from Patrick Mahomes, you know, beating them with his legs. I guess mm. maybe that's a positive way to spin things. I'll have to go back and watch that tomorrow. But uh, it did seem like they had a spy on Rayshon, or a spy on Rayshon, a spy on Teddy Bridgewater a little more frequently today.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I'll definitely have to go back and look at that. I'm glad they're trying to make that sort of adjustment. Um, that was my other question? I hoped, I had hoped that they, because it looked like the the, the Panthers kind of had this one plan, and I'd hoped that maybe the, the Chargers were just trying to field them out for a quarter or so, and try to figure out what this Christian McCaffrey offense or without McCaffrey would look like, and then make the adjustments from there. But it really didn't seem like they did. So that's kind of that's kind of unfortunate, and I guess it comes down to. The, the the big question is is Gus Bradley a you know a good or decent off a defensive coordinator or are his players just really good and they make up for it so I mean I don't know I guess I would like to see more blitzes more you I mean they they started blitz more last week right against the Chiefs
2: I feel like they they blitzed more frequently in like key moments mm. I feel like last year they they would kind of just send Thomas Davis on a blitz <laughs> just for the heck of it. <laughs> um, but I mean their blitz rate was is low. Their blitz it rate is. from the last two games was at 10%, which mm. is like shockingly low. But like I said, when you're getting, you know, 50 pressures in yeah. two games from your front four, like you don't you don't have to blitz. Mm-hmm. It's just games like today where, you know, the quarterback is is getting the ball out so quick that you would love to see, you know, more pressures or at least more threats of pressures. Yeah. Totally. Um so Alex and I talked about, you know, kind of limiting the receivers today. You know, obviously, TJ Moore, he had uh, the one big catch, but he only had two, two catches for 65 yards. Robbie Anderson had five for 55. So he kind of was more, they kind of switched roles. You know, Robbie was more of the big play guy and TJ Moore was the short guys. Mm -hmm. But, you know, maybe that's a Casey Hayward thing. Maybe he kind of shut DJ Moore down a little bit. Um, Mike Davis, I thought he looked pretty good, honestly, you know, for a guy that I wasn't expecting a whole lot of. He had 13 carries for 46 yards. And eight catches for 45. Mm. So clearly they had the game plan of, of trying to, and to get him out in the flat and, and work some, uh, work the boundaries that way. Curtis Samuel, I thought he would be more involved and he was. He had five carries and four catches. So I, I thought the Panthers, I thought the Panthers honestly played well. You know, they got their first win of the season and their first win for Matt Rule. Um, but I, I do feel like the Chargers definitely should have won.
1: Yeah. No, the Chargers absolutely should have won this game. Before I mean, I actually was kind of just talking shit on Twitter. Like, this is a pretty, pretty easy game to be (laughs) honest. Like, this should be kind of a bloodbath. And why? I mean, why wouldn't you expect? Like, yeah, would Bridgewater get it out faster? Maybe than some Mahomes, some other guys. But look, no Christian McCaffrey, no Russell Okung, no Dennis Daly, I believe, and a and a Panthers line that isn't really all that good. And I just, I just, I was shocked. The Panthers they came excited. They came prepared, they came to try to be as flawless as possible, and they played a really good game. Like, I really think the Chargers would win this game 9 out of 10 times, but the Panthers played a pretty, like, they played a good game. Like, you can trash on the Chargers coaches all you want. The Panthers really did come out and execute a pretty solid game given the circumstances. Yeah, I feel
2: like when you look at the overall box score, right? Like, if you knew going into this game that Justin Herbert was going to throw for 330 yards and Keenan Allen was going to have 130 yards receiving, you're probably like, oh, the Chargers win, you know, relatively easily. So, yeah. It was just a weird day, you know, the turnovers. Joshua Kelly, I don't think he fumbled a single time at UCLA. Really? Wow.
1: And he fumbled today. Yeah. It was kind of an unfortunate yeah, to go back look and look, and fumble but, uh, where the guy's knee, like, I mean, you should hold on to it anyway, regardless, but that's, it was such a weird. And a fumble. It's too bad.
2: Yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, Joshua Kelly does to bounce back. I hope he doesn't get in the doghouse, but I thought he played pretty well. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see what this team does if Mike Williams is not playing this week. You know, KJ Hill was kind of thrown into that role, um, but he could not be further from Mike Williams in terms right. of skill set. Um, I I don't understand why this team does not use joe reed like at all Uh, he didn't have a single touch today uh i don't even think he had the opportunity to return a kick at all um i did see him out there a little bit more so i think i saw him on like four or five plays but if mike williams misses this game then joe reed better play man i I don't understand that at all
1: yeah if they're not getting i mean i don't get it with joe reed and you're as you're as frustrated as anyone you know talking about how Lindsay's he's a percy harvin type and he's not i mean it's not like they haven't worked on these plays. Obviously, they ran at least, at least one last week. They do have, like, something for him. He was running back during training camp, apparently. So, I, pff, your guess is as good as mine whether not, why they're not involving Joe Reed. Like, yes, you want a good kick returner? Sure. Would you really spend a fifth-round pick on a kick returner that you only plan on using as a kick returner? Eh. But, and then, but with Mike Williams down, it, ha- it has to be Reed. Like, you do have... Yes, you have Allen, you have Henry, you have Eckler. Fine. But... I mean, we're going to go through this all over again, kind of like last year. They don't have a really legit wide receiver three slash a wide receiver two in in some cases when Williams is out. If they head to, you know, two games where these offenses should be pretty decent that they're playing against. And if they, I mean, Guyton caught a ball with his hand. Like, the fact that Twitter celebrated Guyton catching a ball with his hands today (laughs) tells you pretty much all you need to know Uh, about the state of, of, of Guyton. And I have no idea what happened to K.J. Hill today. It wasn't, I mean, it's not It's not even like, you know, Hill doesn't have any reps with, with Herbert. I'm pretty sure if anybody has reps with Herbert, it's Hill. I mean, I would assume the twos are playing with the twos.
2: So, yeah, the KJ Hill thing is, it was weird because, like I said, you know, he was, I, you know, there was no consensus like best hands in the draft. But he he was up there, and I rarely saw any kind of drop issues or anything. And so, mm-hmm. maybe it was just first game jitters or something, but... I mean, he was open, you know, he did what he does, he he separated well, it's just, you know, he had some drops, and Herbert did leave, leave him out to try one time, yeah. but, um, you know, this, if Mike Williams is gone, and Keenan Allen's facing double teams, you know, that's going to be really interesting to see how this offense kind of combats that going forward, because, you know, uh, Todd Bowles next week, Todd Bowles is as good of a defensive coach as there is in this mm-hmm. league, and. You know, if he double te- if he thinks that he can win this game next week by double teaming Keenan Allen, then I have to think that he's going to do it.
1: Yeah, gosh, I mean, I don't know, who are the who do the Bucks have a corner? Anybody good? Eh. Um, I i i know
2: that their corners are their weak spot. Mm-hmm. They have a couple of good safeties. Their defensive line is really good. Their linebacking core is amazing. Um, so maybe they will, you know, double team Keenan Allen just out of necessity, but. You know, I, I think looking forward, this team, you know, it sucks because, you know, I think Justin Herbert played well enough to win today. And if you can if you know going into this game that he's gonna play like that, you're probably feeling good about yourself. But next week I think it's gonna be you know, a bit of a regression coming because Tampa Bay's defense uh is much better than Carolina's. <laughs> like much yeah, better No, that's
1: the thing. Like I'm glad Justin got this game and I'm glad he got last week. But the the Chiefs and the Panthers, particularly with the state of their injuries and whatnot. Their secondaries like aren't really all that good, and and maybe the you know, the Bucks aren't as much, but the, like the Bucks are a much more talented defense with a really good defensive coach. You know the Saints, I have no idea how the game's going right now, but I'm sure Rogers is doing fine. But you know the Saints have a lot of talent on defense too, so I don't know. It might be rough sledding for sure, unless Tyrod plays against the Saints. But who knows? I I'm, I guess I might as well ask. You are Team Herbert the rest of the way.
2: I am. I, I just think, you know, from an explosiveness perspective, you know, unfortunately, Tyrod just doesn't offer that kind of same perspective. And, you know, if we're getting the same kind of option runs and stuff that they got in the, against the Chiefs for Tyrod, like, I'm, I'm okay with it. You know, I'm not going to be upset. You know, I was really excited to see what Tyrod could do this year. But I can't imagine that. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he will. But... You know, kind of throwing him to the wolves against the saints. So that doesn't really seem fair to Tyrod either. Um, so he can't get on a plane. So I know that he's not playing next week. Um, maybe I guess it would depend on what they do for travel purposes. Cause if they stay out, you know, you know, they play in Florida and then New Orleans, obviously. So if they stay out there, then I can't imagine Tyrod plays. If they come back and he practices, then he can fly with the team. I guess we'll have to wait and see, but. I just feel like if you make that switch for the New Orleans game, that's also setting Tyrod up for failure, and it's also messing with the rhythm that Justin Herbert hopefully has.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And at this point, there's there's just no point. In, uh, not no point. I suppose if Herbert has an t- absolutely dreadful game against the Bucks, maybe, but you know, the, the poor offense trying to figure out this offense again with another quarterback again, who may or may not get hurt again with the rookie who's actually kind of doing well uh, and i just don't want this team to have to keep figuring out who they are on offense when they start playing i mean yeah i guess they have some easy games coming up after the saints game but i really want that game to be where they're already just gelling and they're figuring out how to be a really good offense not when they're trying to figure out how to be an offense again because this player is out or starting this player or whatever at this point just just let the rook go unless he's unless he's just so bad next week. I don't think that's going to be the case. But, um, yeah, I just don't think it's, like you said, it's not fair to Tyron Taylor just throw him in there against against the Saints. Like, yeah, he might be cleared and okay to play by the time that that game comes around. I don't know how much he's practicing. Yeah, I don't know how, how much of the offense he's going to be picking up at that point, if they've changed it at all. I don't know. It's such a funky situation. But, yeah, I, I hope Herbert does well next week because I, just, I would just like this offense to finally have – some consistency and identity, some flow and some rhythm. Like there's definitely some rhythm with Herbert there, and that only comes with playing together and playing these games. And by the time Tyrod Taylor might come back, they've already had three games with Herbert, and now to just change that all over again and to let Tyrod come in, who Ted, if he hurt his ribs against the, the the Bengals, he really only had one legit like half of a quarter to try to be a quarterback and run an offense, and from there on he was just kind of like I'm I, my ribs are cracked, ow. Can't really operate. Don't want to run as much as I used to, so I don't know. We'll see. But hopefully Herbert does well next week, so we can just sweep it under the rug. Do you think though that Lynn saw enough from Herbert to keep him in there? The difference is not like whether we think we should, Herbert should be in there. It's whether it was whether Lynn actually thinks that this is enough. Like we should go with our rookie from here on out, or should they go back to to Taylor? What do you, th- what do you think Lynn is thinking at this point? That is
2: obviously the million dollar yeah. question. Um, I, I would hope that, you know, Anthony Lynn, it sees the positives as more of, you know, swaying the argument that way, because as much as both of us like Tyrod is as, as excited, we were to see what he could do. It's just the upside there. And like, if Tyrod's in that situation, you know, have to go 99 yards and in with a minute and a half left. I don't, I don't know with 100% confidence that he would be able to do what Justin Herbert did today. And, you know, as, as much as I, you know, like Tyrod as a person and as gutted as I feel for him, I just feel like this offensive ceiling is so much higher with Justin Herbert. Once, like you said, they do have a little rhythm. Once they're able to clean up the turnovers, hopefully, you know, I think this offense is really going to start, you know, meshing together. And my biggest fear right now is that this turns into, what the Broncos had to go through when Peyton Manning was like at the tail end of his career and it was like, well, he's bad. So we'll put in Brock Osweiler and Brock Osweiler had one good game and one bad game. And it was like back to Peyton. And then Peyton was like still really bad. So like, okay, back to Brock Osweiler and then back to Peyton. And then finally Peyton was like, okay, I'm I'm competent enough to, you know, win (laughs) games. And thankfully they had an amazing defense that carried them to a Super Bowl win. But like from an offensive perspective, you know, just, Flip flopping back and forth between these two quarterbacks, I think that it would just be, you know, it would be a disservice to everyone on the team and especially, especially Justin Herbert.
1: Mike, oh, I, I could for, totally forgot about that Brock Osweiler. I can't believe they won a <laughs> Super Bowl doing that too. Uh,
2: dude, it doesn't make any sense to me, man. Like, I, the thing, the weirdest thing about football to me is that really it all comes down to who's healthy yeah. and who is lucky. Who totally. is able to, you know, get a fumble or two, go their way and, and, and you know, win the coin toss right. <laughs> before overtime, you know, like the Patriots in 2018. Yeah. So
1: that 2015 Broncos team, man, like they should not have won that Super Bowl at all. No, I'm, I'm kind of shocked they did. I mean, it did, all credit to their defense, but yeah, I can't believe they won that, that that's the Super Bowl of all things. Man, I mean... So well, I, not that I say I see shades of the Chargers doing the same thing, but I mean, God, it's so tough. Like, I, I, it's, it's crazy. I still I see it. I'm the guy who predicted them to go at least ten and six. I, I kind of still see it. Like it is possible. The team that can hold the Chiefs to to twenty, you know, four quarter points. Like it's there. The Chargers are five points away from going, you know, from crushing these teams almost uh it's so frustrating i don't know has your opinion on the on the team changed at all in terms of how they'll do this season because a lot of people were like oh my gosh herbert looked great they held their own against the chiefs playoffs and then now everyone's like fire the head coach and then yeah today, so yeah, i don't know yeah. I, i'm kind of in the same boat i'm a little more disappointed but i don't know i'm just curious where you're at with the team at this point
2: i am disappointed that they lost today i i figured that at this point right now they would be two and one mm-hmm. um you know i because, you know, they should have beaten the Panthers, honestly. But, you know, the the reality of this this season is that they have an, a very easy schedule. The next two weeks, you know, obviously it's very hard with the Buccaneers and Chiefs. Or Buccaneers and Saints, excuse me. Mm-hmm. But then they have the Jets. The Dolphins, Jaguars, Raiders, Broncos, who are a mess. That's five games in a row. Yep. That should be at least four wins to me. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll probably lose to the Bills because apparently Josh Allen has figured out how to play football. But... <laughs> um, <laughs> which yeah I've been or taking the me Josh the Allen hatred but yes or that um, then they have the Patriots Falcons you know we'll see what the Patriots can do you know they'll obviously be from you know going coast to coast mm-hmm. the Falcons at that point are probably done honestly and you know Calvin Ridley is an amazing player but that's really the kind of the only player and Julio Jones obviously um so I still think this team could win you know, eight, nine, ten games. If everything starts going the right way and these turnovers, you know, start flipping the other way, because like this cannot continue. This defense is way too talented to not have any turnovers right now. Mm-hmm. And you know, Justin Herbert's eventually going to figure out, you know, how to manipulate a defense and not make those turnovers. And you know, I have to believe at some point, you know, this bad luck of turnovers is going to swing the other way. Just you know, law of averages. That's what. That's what we think is going to happen, right? So I, I still think that this team can win at least eight games. Um, I don't know if that's good enough for the playoffs, but you know I think they'll be close down the stretch. They'll have to. They'll probably have to win in Arrowhead in week seventeen to make it into the playoffs. But you know it's it's two thousand twenty and anything can happen this year.
1: Yeah, it's such a fascinating year because you know the Broncos were a team we thought could even maybe win the division because everyone's talking about Drew Locke, They had an excellent draft. They had tons of players coming back. And now they might be the worst team in the AFC West just purely because of injuries. And so it goes from maybe they're splitting in Denver you know, to they could sweep them. And then I look at the Raiders, and they're a little better on offense than I expected, but their defense still stinks. They could take that one. And if anyone can handle the Chiefs, somehow it's the Chargers. And the Patriots maybe don't look all that good on offense. And the Falcons blow more leads than you could possibly blow... As, as poorly <laughs> as they could, you know, I, I, yeah. I feel awful for those fans, which, and again, I'd rather, I'd rather look kind of lose to the Panthers like that than do what the Saint do with the Falcons just did. But um, yeah, the schedule just seems so favorable. Like if they can even get like two and three considering all their resets and everything that they've had to do this season, if they can end up two and three, you know, that's kind of a win, honestly, like that's not really great, but but considering they had to the reset with Herbert hopefully not reset with Taylor, figure out all these injuries. I don't know, man. Like, I really think they could still make some sort of run, but we'll see. So, yeah, the the, the turnover thing is just, it's, it's so odd that they can't force turnovers. I understand that they're missing some players, but like Melvin Ingram is still the leader with interceptions, I'm pretty sure, right? So it's just, like, like how yeah, is that even?
2: He's the only one that has an interception.
1: No one won that bet. So however that happens, I don't know. Um, I certainly think that they will have the opportunity for interceptions in a couple of weeks. Like, I think just get through these two weeks, win one, and have yourself a get right month yeah. where it's just everyone's gelling. You know, yeah. go beat it. Just go beat up the Jets, go beat up the Dolphins, you know, beat up the Raiders, have a bye week, you know, whatever the, the schedule is. So, uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm still excited. I'll say that. Yeah.
2: You no, know, I'm still excited, and at the end of the day, like right now, the most important thing is Justin Herbert's development, mm-hmm. and that's the other thing that people need to realize in terms of the coaching, yes, you know, arrangement right now. Like, maybe they would fire Gus Bradley after this season, but the way Justin Herbert is playing right now, Anthony Lynn's job is safe, mm-hmm. and that's not changing unless Justin Herbert, you know, takes a nosedive. Um, but you know, in, in terms of the schedule opening up, you know, if they're two and three. You know, maybe they can split the this upcoming two games. You know, then they have the Jets. If they lose to the Jets, then you can panic because the Jets are the worst team in the league. (laughs) (laughs) Um, then they have the Dolphins, which I think they should be able to win. That you know, with his Patrick, you never really know. Jaguars, they should be able to beat them. Raiders, right before the bye, uh, that should be a win. You know, it really Mm -hmm. should. As much as you know, the Raiders' offense has improved. Like you mentioned, the defense is horrendous. Um, if Drew Locke is back for that game on the twenty second. Maybe it's a little different, but you know, that's six games in a row that the Chargers should win. Um, so like you mentioned, you know, it, in terms of getting right, you know, no one's better for getting right than playing the Jets. <laughs> <Yes>. So <laughs> if they're one and four and then they play the Jets, you know, I think that could hopefully, you know, give them some momentum going into the, the back half of the schedule. Yep. I agree. So we'll do our game balls, uh, and then we'll just, you know, wrap up. Uh, for me on offense, I'm going to go with Keenan Allen, you know, the easy choice. I just, I love the way that he, him and Justin Herbert are meshing together. You know, I thought Keenan Allen was, was the security blanket for him. And, you know, that touchdown pass from Herbert to Allen, it, it was fantastic. Mm. I would have loved to see uh you know that lateral it was, it was just so so sad but you know i thought keenan allen balled out and i thought keenan allen you know deserves all the praise from from
1: today 100 percent, and and he's happy i forget what he said after the game about herbert he's like yeah herbert's doing a really good job of course he's gonna say that when you get targeted 17 times or whatever it is like yeah of course the, the <laughs> yeah. receiver's gonna say that uh my game it's ball make you very happy yeah, right my game ball i'd love to give it to herbert but i'm gonna give it to eckler just because he's been he was so consistent He's the only guy on this yeah. team who just it just always does his job and always, you know, exceeding expectations, which makes sense when you look at his workout routine and his work ethic and his whole time in the league. He's exceeded <laughs> expectations. Um, yeah, so I got to get the game yeah. ball to hit. I can't remember what his stats are, but over 100 again, another efficient day. And that's the crazy thing. Allen, Eckler, Henry, everyone had an efficient, pretty good day on offense. It's just the turnover. Yeah. So yeah, Eckler for me on offense. Yeah.
2: So Eckler had 12 carries for 59 yards and a touchdown, and then he had 11 catches for 84 yards.
1: Yeah.
2: So, you know, some quick math, that's around 130 yards from scrimmage and one touchdown. So Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler, you know, man, that's as good as it gets. Mm-hmm. Um, defensively, who are you going to go with?
1: Um, I'll go with, I'll just go out the eye test here. I got to go back and watch film, obviously, but I'll go with Kaiser White just because he seemed to be flying everywhere. Yeah, but I believe he led the team in total tackles. He looks comfortable. He looks athletic um about as impressive a performance as he's had and if he only gets better from here i'm stoked
2: yeah i think kaiser was pretty clearly the best defensive player today you know i thought joey bosa just you know unfortunately gonna get double teamed all day long but he did have the one sack um you know i i'm really interested in going back and watching the film but i it just feels like casey hayward had an amazing game i agree yeah, you know, nice. I, I, So I think I'm going to go with him for the, for the defensive game ball. You know, I thought DJ Moore had the one big play, but that was when Mike Davis was guarding right. him. Uh, so it just feels like Casey Hayward had a great game. Uh, we never heard his name really called at home which I, You know, again, that's a good thing. Right. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with Casey Hayward. Nice. So Tyler, what are your uh, final thoughts on this game?
1: Uh, final thoughts are the fans, just or not all the fans, obviously, but just, you know, relax a little bit. It's okay. First of all, it's just a football game. You know, go hang out with your family, your significant others, <laughs> whatever. Uh, my final thoughts are also that it's unfortunate that I'm a Chargers fan and I also don't drink. So kind of just stuck wallowing in my own self-pity for a day. Um, <laughs> I am still like, if I had to give out anything, like it's just, 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 Hang in there. It's not going to look pretty for a little bit. It might not even look pretty next week, but I think you know you see so many positive signs for Herbert. The number one most important thing for this season is evaluate the players you need to to get your contracts figured out next season. But the most important thing is to make sure Herbert develops. And if Herbert develops this season and the team kind of plays close and can take that next step next year, that's good for me. So as long as you're seeing Herbert do those, make those right steps go in the right direction, uh, be happy, I suppose. Cause that's much better than any of us would have guessed. And because of that, please remember that the coaches are also responsible for that development, like, yes, Pep Hamilton is the quarterback's <laughs> coach, but you know, someone had to pick him. Someone had to give him advice. Someone had to, you know, even just work with the running backs to support him, you know, work with the offensive line to support him. You know, there are a lot of coaches that are either doing you know great things for him to help him or help the t- talent around him. So. You know, hang in there. Don't crucify Lin for everything. You know, please. I know bashing on Lin is the is the new thing because he's, you know, those comments. Okay. Here's what I got to say. Have any of you ever played sports before? You, oh, God. Oh. <laughs> Poor <laughs> Herbert. Oh, he's a backup for a reason. Like, oh, that's – and people are saying, oh, he's bashing and trashing him. Okay. Listen, I had to bring it personal again. I went and competed once in gymnastics. I won like first out of five states. You know what my coach said? Good job, and that was it. Like that's all he said to me. Go, you know, a right. Soviet <laughs> Union gold medalist, and you telling me like, oh, th- that he's a backup for a reason. Oh, he's oh, lynn is so mean. Oh gosh, he's so hard on him. Like, have you ever had a coach yell at you before? Like, have you ever been? Have like, you <laughs> ever done something wrong before? Like, come on, like that—that's that's where you draw the line. He's a backup for a reason. Like, come on, like, geez, you guys have played sports before, right? Anyway, that's my mini rant at the end of the episode. Um, I forget where I was going, so that's all I got.
2: <laughs> hey man, I, I love that rant, and, and it's true. You know, I got yelled at so many times from during from my coaches, yeah. and, and it's just you know, like I think it's pretty clear now that he was just trying to not throw Tyrod under the bus mm-hmm. and make sure that Tyrod knew that the team had his back. Mm-hmm. Um but everybody, you know this instant gratification or instant reaction is the problem right now. And unfortunately. You know, the Chargers are one of many teams that are installing a new system with new quarterbacks in 2020 when they had no offseason. So be patient. Like we mentioned, you know, this schedule eases up a lot in the next month. So just be patient and, and wait it out. Uh, Justin Herbert is going to make some positive leaps. He's already grown from week two to week three. And, you know, right now that's the most important thing is, is Justin Herbert's development. So I think that rant was spot on, Tyler, and I and I agree with you 100. And right now it's all about Justin Herbert. If the wins come, it's great. Uh, if they don't come, then that's that's okay too. So I think that's just the most important thing. Um. Um. So any other thoughts, Tyler, before we
1: wrap up today? Uh, that's it. Just hope that's it. That's it. Just hoping everybody is on the Chargers is healthy and that you know these injuries are okay. Trey Turner comes back but Laga hopefully comes back. Williams might tough it out. Who knows? And hopefully we can just establish a little bit of consistency on offense and everything will go as it should be, as it was intended to be, not with Pipkins and, and St. Louis, you know, and hopefully everything just kind of becomes what it should have been because we still have yet to, we really still have yet to see what the offense technically should have even been. So hopefully we can kind of get these players back. Hopefully everybody's healthy. Hopefully Adderley's eyes. Okay. And everyone's, you know, groin, ankle, shoulder, <laughs> or whatever is fine. That's it.
2: Yeah. Definitely hoping for some, some good news on the injury front. And it was encouraging that Chris Harris in particular was able to uh, run off the field on his, under his own power. So, um, that'll do it for today's show, you guys. Make sure you can follow us on social media. Um, we are giving away a Kenneth Murray jersey this week, which is exciting, uh, through our Patreon page. Uh, if you are not signed up and you do want an entry, you know, make sure you get that in before October 1st. As little as $1 gets you an entry.
0: So that'll do it. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Bye.